We Are the Champions by Queen. YMCA by The Village People. Living on a Prayer by Bon Jovi. And of course, Never Gonna Give You Up by Rick Astley. Okay, at least one time in your life, you had one of these songs stuck in your head. They are among the top earworm songs of all time, according to the University of St. Andrews. But apart from driving us slightly batty from time to time, earworms may actually take a real psychological toll on us. This is Charles Blue with the Association for Psychological Science, and you're listening to Under the Cortex. Today, I have with me Dr. Michael Scullin from Baylor University, who's published a new study in the journal Psychological Science on the impact of earworms and what they can do to a good night's sleep. Welcome, Michael. Hi, Charles. Thanks for having me. Before we get into this research, tell me, what is an earworm and why do we get them? Well, an earworm is when a song gets stuck in your head. It's a form of spontaneous cognition, meaning it happens without our intention. And sometimes we have no idea why it's occurring. Sure, you know, if you hear a catchy song, then maybe later it'll pop in your head, or maybe there's an environmental cue that reminds you of the artist or reminds you of the specific song and then triggers the earworm. But, you know, there's also times when you get a song stuck in your head for that you haven't heard for like days, weeks, or, or months. So for example, earlier this week, I had the song Mr. Roboto in my head, and I couldn't tell you the last time <laughs> I heard that song. And it's so distinctive, but like I can't, I haven't heard that song forever. It was playing in my head. I started singing it. It got in my wife's head. Um, so there's also this contagious component of, of some earworms. It's really a fascinating question as to why earworms occur to begin with and, and why they persist. So it doesn't have really anything to do with a person being musical or, or practicing songs or learning an instrument or anything belonging to a choir. It's just, it's a normal human trait to have songs get stuck in the head. Well, it is, but that's not to say that those factors aren't correlated. People who spend more time listening to music are more likely to get earworms. People who spend more time uh, engaged with playing music, songwriting, anything of that sort, are also more likely to get earworms that that persist. About three quarters of people when surveyed will tell you that they get earworms very frequently. So it's, it's more often than not that you're gonna meet someone who has had an earworm at least in the last week. Turning now to your research, could you just summarize that? What did you study about earworms and what did this research reveal? Yeah, so I'm a sleep scientist and I did not spend my career learning about earworms. It was something that I got interested in because I wanted to know if they affected our sleep quality. Um, I had this experience a few years ago where I was laying in bed and I was trying to fall asleep, but I couldn't because I had some song that was stuck in my head and just wouldn't go away. And so that was part of the impetus for doing this line of research, as well as I started teaching a course on cognition and learned about the science of earworms. And man, we, we should uh, incorporate this and, and do a sleep and earworm study. So that's all of the background. Uh, what we did in our study was uh, two studies. The first study was a survey where we just had a, about 200 people fill out questionnaires about their sleep quality, their music listening habits, and how often they experience earworms. 
And our spin on the normal survey was we didn't just ask about earworms in general or earworms during the day, but people also had to respond how frequently they were experiencing earworms at night when they were trying to fall asleep and also when they woke up from sleep. So upon awakening, are you just hit with an earworm immediately? Do you wake up with an earworm? And we found a few interesting things in that first survey. The first one was that even though everyone, uh, pretty much everyone told us that music listening does not hurt their sleep, that they think it usually benefits their sleep, we found that people who listen to music more frequently showed worse sleep quality. And it all seemed to be driven by how many earworms they experienced. So people who listen to music more frequently were more likely to get earworms, especially when they were um, trying to fall asleep or, or those earworms that woke them up uh, at night from sleep. And, you know, as psychologists, we run a lot of survey studies and normally you see these kind of small effect sizes when dealing with these measures or small, medium effect sizes. But what was so striking, these were like really big effect sizes. To give, to apply some numbers to it, uh, we found that if you frequently experience earworms at night, you are three times as likely to be a poor quality sleeper than individuals who experience earworms as frequently, but only during the daytime. So this isn't a minor effect on sleep, like you wake up once during the night. This is a real impact on the whole evening's worth of really quality sleep? We think it is. And and that's where some of our original expectations sort of diverge from what the results actually were. My, my anecdote was I'm trying to fall asleep. This earworm is bugging me at night. But then we started seeing from these survey responses and from a, uh, an experiment we ran in the lab that people would actually wake up from sleep and report having an earworm. And it's, why is that? Why why would someone be having an earworm when they haven't been listening to the music for hours, when there's no cue that would trigger it? They've been asleep. <laughs> why would why would they have have an earworm after you know being asleep for, for a few hours? And that led us to the concept of memory consolidation. One of the big things we've learned the last couple of decades about memory is that you encode an experience, but then that experience continues to get processed in your brain over the next subsequent hours, day, and so forth, perhaps particularly with processing occurring during sleep, or at least preferentially or increasing it. And so we thought... Well, maybe the same thing is happening with earworms. You've got this musical experience. You've got this musical memory, if you will, and it's continuing to get processed while you are, are asleep. And you know, how do we connect the dots? Okay, well, then why do they wake up? I think that's a missing mechanistic link. We haven't, we haven't tied down that question yet, but certainly the data show us that if you are getting more earworms at night, you're much more likely to be a poor quality sleeper. And we also ran an experiment that seemed to confirm that, uh, that as causal inference, not just a correlational effect. 
is there some element of dreaming that actually is related to music? I mean, we think of experiences, but do people who are musically inclined or anyone actually dream about music itself? Yeah, I would love to, to see more data on that. I'll tell you the, the sort of global impression in the field is that people aren't dreaming solely of musical melodies because when people wake up and they give their dream reports, they, they give some visual narrative and it doesn't often include references to music. However, one thing we've learned about dream research is sometimes things can be happening across many dreams, but we miss it entirely. For example, a few decades ago, more than a few decades ago, about 50 years ago, we thought, the field thought that dreams were all in black and white, that you like didn't have color in your dreams. And the reason we thought that is because you'd read a whole bunch of dream reports and no one would refer to any colors. They wouldn't say the sky is blue. They would just say the sky. They wouldn't say the trees are green. They're just green. And so it was also in times that we were kind of moving from the black and white TVs. Everyone just made that assumption because they weren't asking the right questions of participants. So part of me wonders, are we just not asking the right questions to get at when people are dreaming, do they often have some musical melody going on as they're experiencing the dream that you just need to probe a little bit for them to to actually share, yes, that is what was happening in the dream. Did you know going into this that earworms could potentially ruin a good night's sleep? I suspected that, but I want to say that our lab had really diverse opinions on what might happen. There were individuals in our lab who thought that if you caught an earworm, it might actually help you fall asleep. And here's why. One of the biggest hindrances to falling asleep at night is you get in bed, turn off the lights, and all of a sudden it's like your brain turns on and you're just sort of cycling through all the stuff that uh, you got to do tomorrow, cycling through worries about you know social interactions and so forth, right? It's horrible. One of the uh, fixes for that, one of the ways to address it is through distraction. And you see this all the time. This is why people will read books as they're trying to fall asleep. It's it's because they're trying to distract themselves from their own brain, right? I use that but technique maybe, myself. Yeah, okay, good. So with an earworm, the thinking was maybe this serves as a similar type of distraction. A third of our lab thought, you know, it's going to distract them from their worries, help them fall asleep, they're liking the music, uh, for the most part, that's causing in the earworm, and they'll fall asleep faster and they'll have better sleep quality. And then about a third of our lab, like any good psychological scientist lab would say, oh, I think it's all going to be a wash. It's going to be nothing but null effects. And then a few of us said, no, earworms can be so irritating. It's, it's definitely going to cause disruptions to sleep. And well, so they can be really irritating during the day. This is be they can be absolutely intrusive. And actually, I'll tell you, Charles, that's actually a matter of debate. You'll find in in the literature, people say that earworms are experienced as neither positive nor negative, 
Or you'll find other people who say, no, people love their earworms. You know, don't get rid of these. People really like them. Guys like me will say, no, I'm irritated when I've got a, let's see, a recent one I had was the song What's Up by Four Non Blondes. And I don't know if you know that song, but if you don't Google it and play it because it's going to be in your head and and you're not going to be very happy that it's in your head. And for those people who actually get stuck on the ride, small world at Disney world and have to listen to it for an hour, it's stuck with you for days and nothing could be worse. Or a baby shark. Oh, okay. That's pretty bad. That's the one. That's evil. Well, (laughs) so Was there anything else that was surprising or unexpected in this research? One of the things that was really unexpected was that instrumental music was actually linked to more experiences of earworms and worse sleep quality. We thought for sure that you're trying to fall asleep. If you're listening to popular music at bedtime, that's going to trigger the earworms and that's going to lead to worse sleep quality. But we were just we were just wrong. Wrong. We found in both of our studies, a survey study and our experimental study, that listening to instrumental music was followed by more nighttime earworms and worse sleep quality. And so it's like, why? Why should instrumental music cause that? And we've got a couple ideas. One is, for example, if you had instrumental music where it was like popular music, but you just kind of take out the lyrics. Maybe what you're doing is you're listening to those songs and you're kind of mouthing what the words are, you're generating them. And maybe that causes the earworm to persist longer than it would have or or to occur to, to begin with. But that doesn't fit all the data because when we survey people, most folks aren't listening to instrumental versions of popular songs at bedtime. What, what they'll report is I listen to classical music or I listen to ambient music Yet these individuals are still reporting more earworms at night and worse sleep quality. So the explanation we've been working with is that earworms are more likely when you're in a low attentional state, meaning when you're not really highly focused on on a task. During the day, a lot of us can suppress earworms simply because we're at work or we're having an engaging conversation or doing some problem solving, but at night... Oh, at night, you have to be in a low attentional state because that's sort of your transition to sleep. So we think that maybe with instrumental music, it's not quite as engaging. It's not quite as attention grabbing. You're put into a lower attentional state and that's a ripe environment for triggering an earworm. Is this something that can really impact our lives, our health, our ability to concentrate on work or school? Or is it just eh, not such a good night's sleep? How big of a worry could this be? Well, I think you've got to start with how big of a worry is poor sleep quality. We have an answer. Uh, Poor sleep quality affects every single organ in your body, including your brain, right? So if you have been cutting back on sleep, whether it's in terms of quality or quantity, we see attentional lapses. We see more memory errors. We see more anger toward one another. We see that partners don't communicate as well. We actually recently ran a study that showed you are less forgiving of other people when they make mistakes. We've seen that in a couple of studies now with just mild sleep restriction. So I think you have to start with 
what is being disrupted and how important is it to my daily life? My goodness gracious, sleep is very important to our daily lives. It's important to our overall health, to our well-being, and to our cognitive functioning. So what don't we know? Where next is this research going to take us and maybe even find a way of shutting this off when necessary? What I'd really like to know is whether these earworms are actually infiltrating our sleep or if they're just clicking on the moment that we wake up. And our research can't fully disentangle those possibilities. So one thing you could do is try to see uh, people's dreams and see if they're in people's dream reports. And maybe there's some targeted ways we could ask that. Another thing you could do are uh, spontaneous awakenings or forced awakenings. And you see if you wake people up after certain types of music, are they more likely to report having more earworms? So then we can get more at, all right, what is the underlying physiology that could be causing this? Um, is it related to slow wave sleep? Is it more related to REM sleep? And how might that relate to memory consolidation mechanisms? Do we know what part of the brain actually causes earworms or where they happen to reside? We have a little bit of evidence that it's driven by the primary auditory cortex. There was a paper about 15 years ago in Nature. It was a great paper where they showed when you induce earworms, there's a period of silence. You still see this heightened primary auditory cortex activation. And in our study, people who reported having nighttime earworms showed increased activity for slow oscillations, which is one marker of memory consolidation. They show this increased slow oscillations over the left temporal lobe. When we were using EEG rather than fMRI, so it doesn't have the same sort of spatial localization, but that's the same general area that will correspond to the primary auditory cortices. Just so the listeners understand, how many subjects did you have to take a look at these earworms as they sleep? In the first study, which was uh, the survey study, that was about 200 participants. And in the second study, the experiment that was in our sleep laboratory, that was 50 participants. And when you get people in a sleep laboratory, this is where you actually do put the electrodes on them to actually make sure they're asleep and you can observe and watch and see if they toss and turn throughout the night. That's right. Uh, so we bring people in and the laboratory is sound and light and temperature controlled. And we set them up at a desk. We place EEG electrodes all across their scalp. We use about 20 electrodes on the scalp. And then uh, we put them to bed. We run them through calibrations, make sure the system's working right, say sweet dreams. They nod off and we're able to monitor the, the brain waves to see when they exactly fall asleep and what stage of sleep they're in. And we have the gold standard of sleep quality, which is knowing uh, their sleep efficiency. So when they're waking up, how long it's taking them to fall asleep and how much time they're spending in deep stages of sleep and light stages of sleep. My final question then, has there ever been reports of people complaining about lack of sleep due to earworms? Back in the 1800s, Mark Twain wrote this short story, which he called The Literary Nightmare. And the entire story 
was him having an earworm triggered. And the earworm persisted throughout the night. And he talked about how he tumbled through uh, back and forth in his sleep. He he kept on waking up and uh, everyone was amazed by how uh, crazy it it made him. So there's reports to the 1800s, famous author Mark Twain, that this is something that happens. We also saw reports from Oliver Sacks, one of the you know, famous the famous neurologists who wrote great books like The, the Man Who Mistook His Wife for a Hat. He wrote oh, yes. a book on music processing. In that, he describes uh, how often earworms were occurring and how they could occur during sleep. So there are reports, but to our knowledge, this is the first attempt to empirically demonstrate that earworms can happen at night. And when they do, they end up impacting your sleep quality. I'm definitely going to turn off the radio before I get ready for bed and not uh, listen to my sea shanties as I'm uh, brushing my teeth in the evening, just in hopes of getting a better night's sleep. This is Charles Blue, and you've been listening to Under the Cortex. I'd like to thank Dr. Michael Scullin from Baylor University for his time to tell us about his new research on the impact of earworms and a good night's sleep. Thanks, Michael. Thank you. <laughs>